Hello world, welcome to the All Ball Show presented by Abstract Sports where we bring sports back to life. I'm your host, Kyle Clay 2K. I have been extremely busy lately creating some basketball content this last week or so. I recorded an episode for each NBA team recapping their performance from last season, looking ahead to this season, and discussing how I think they're going to perform throughout the year um, based on their new rosters and things like that. You can catch last year's bottom five seeds from each conference now on our YouTube channel. Feel free to go over there and watch some of those videos if there's a certain team that you're wanting to read up on or listen up on. I just do a quick a quick video looking at the team from last year, how they did, and the look at their new roster, and I sort of give a prediction on how I think they're going to do. But I also encourage you to drop a comment in the YouTube channel and, and let me know how you think they're going to do this upcoming season. Uh but yeah, if you just go to the go to the YouTube channel, go to our playlist section and look for the 2018-2019 NBA preview series. You can blast through all those videos to get your quick update on those teams. But like I said, right now we have just the first or the last five teams from each conference last year, 15 seed through the 11 seed. I'll be doing a lot more editing tonight, tomorrow and Friday, and I'll hopefully get all those distributed by the end of this weekend. That's my goal. Uh, beyond that, I have a lot of other goals in mind. Uh, one of those is trying to get back to telling the story of abstract sports. Um, why, why I started abstract sports, why I think it's important, why I think sports are important. Um, I really want to make sure that that is an emphasis on my website. So when you go to abstractsports.com and you hit that homepage, I want it to be very clear what you're supposed to do, what the importance is, and uh, there's going to be some structural site changes going on uh, throughout the rest of the year as well to help reflect that change. Um, for example, maybe focusing on having categories in the blog based on cities instead of, uh, you know, general. I mean, obviously I'll keep the general blog categories, but I like the idea of having like a search feature on the website where you can search by city or search by player. I mean, search by team, things like that. And any articles or content that relate to those things, it will just show up magically. Um, <laughs> so it'll be some structural changes, but it'll be really nice for you to be able to go to the homepage and click on one link and get to you, uh, get to where you want to go. In the meantime, I have been enjoying some action packed first week of the NBA season. It has been a bumping last week. If I have to say so myself, we had fights, we had nail biters, we had homecomings, it's been a lot of fun to watch, and I'm uh, pretty excited to talk about a couple of those different stories in this episode today. So let's just get this thing going. So I'm going to start it off with one of the first games that happened in the season. It's the uh, Jazz's second game of the season where they played the Warriors in Salt Lake City. Uh, I have seen the Warriors play there before, and it's a lot of excitement in that arena when that team comes because it's one of the best teams in the league. Um, I would argue the most dominant team of this decade. I can vouch for the Jazz and say that they can pack a house for a good game over there in Salt Lake City. I'm going to drop a couple of links here in the chat for you guys to take a look at. Uh, this was a very close game all the way through. I'm also going to share some of the stats with you so you can follow along. Maybe I'll put the links in the description for them. So the crazy thing about this game is that the Jazz had a W written all over it all the way up until the end. Uh, the Jazz had 81 points in the first half, I believe 19 
three-pointers, something like that. I mean, 19 times three, that's what, 38, 48, 57 points. Is that right? Why did I, how did I get to that number? 19 three-pointers times threes. 19 times two is 38, and you plus, plus 10. So 58, 57. <laughs> My math is terrible. Uh, 57 of their first half points came from three-pointers, if that stat is correct. Don't quote me on that, but it's something I've heard. Um, the Warriors, in the end, had five players in double digits, and the Jazz had six players in double digits. And I think that just goes to show that the Warriors are more stacked with their starting lineup. You know, guys like Kevin Durant, I, I think he put up 38 points in that game. But, yeah, Kevin Durant had 38 points. Draymond Green had 14, but he also had nine rebounds, six assists. KD almost a triple-double as well, nine rebounds, seven assists. Uh, Steph Curry, 31 points. He actually scored 16 points in the third quarter. Uh, the dude could not miss. He was getting, uh, you know, three-pointers, pull-up three-pointers, running floaters, driving to the bucket, getting up and under layups. Everything he put up, he just could not miss, had 16 points. I mean, it's nothing like uh, Clay Thompson's 37 and a quarter or whatever it was. That was insane. I think that's one of those records that will never be broken. Like I said, five guys in double digits for the Warriors. The Jazz had six, and I think that just says the Jazz are going to have to have guys that kind of come up into the spotlight and perform against a team like this because you know that their starters are going to put up big numbers. You have to take advantage when they're off the floor, really. That's that's pretty much the best thing you can do. And obviously, 19 three-pointers in the first half, that helps in a very big way. Even still, you know the Warriors, they play so, very strong basketball, but especially strong second-half basketball. If they find themselves down 15, 20 points, even 30 points, you better be trying to hold on to that lead as much as possible because they're going to do everything they can. They have every weapon they need to come back from that game or come back from that deficit and get a win over you. But basically, this game came down to the wire. I was excited to watch this one because it's two Western teams, one that's supposed to be at the top and one that's supposed to be in the mix in the playoffs at the end of the year, at least according to my predictions. So it was a really fun one. Basically, at the end of the game, Kevin Durant took a shot from mid-range and it bounced off the rim and then... The guy who is also happens to be a former Utah Jazz player, his name's Jonas Jerebko. He comes up and tips the tips the miss in at the buzzer, pretty much. They're, they they actually put 0.3 seconds back on the clock, but effectively the game was over because the Jazz had to try and shoot a shot from there and just wasn't going to work. So Warriors go on to win that one, 124 to 123. That one was really exciting to watch. Um, pretty high scoring game. I mean. You know, 67 to, what is that, you know, 69 points in the first half for the Warriors to the Jazz 81. That's a high-scoring game. Then you get into the 120s. That's something you'll see the Warriors do all year long, though. Um, to look at some of the Jazz stats, just to yell them out at you, uh, Joe Ingles had the most points with 27, four rebounds, four assists, and uh, he's one of their main three-point shooters. He probably put a lot of those in in the first half. Rudy Gobert with a double-double, 16 points, 11 rebounds, 2 assists. Donovan Mitchell with 19. Ricky Rubio with 13. Jay Crowder with 17. Dante Exum with 13. And, you know, they had one guy who put in 11 minutes and didn't do anything, um, at least not in terms of points, rebounds, and assists. He was probably setting screens. His name's Royce O'Neal. He's one of their new guys. But he's probably setting screens, getting some uh, – I mean, didn't get any rebounds – uh, maybe maybe he got some blocks. I'm not sure. It's not showing those stats here for me. Yeah, I mean, people got to be productive when they come off the bench for the Jazz, and that was what not one of those cases. But where you have six guys going double digits and, and at least helping in one way or another, I think the Jazz did a pretty good job. And right now they're they're holding their own against one of the best teams in the, in, in the league. 
you know, the team with the best record last year in the Houston Rockets. So we'll see how that goes. They are down a couple players and that leads right into this next segment. But before we get to that, I just want to let you guys know that if you'd like to support the abstract sports brand and, and the shows that we do and, and all the content we put out about sports, uh, you can go over to anchor.fm slash abstract sports. And there's a button there that says support this podcast. It makes it really easy to make a monthly donation of one, five or $10. I don't expect you to do $10 a month. Obviously that's a lot, but $5 a month is only, you know, just one coffee a month. If you just appreciate me talking to you over the internet waves about sports, especially basketball with this new all ball show, uh, drop a little monthly subscription there. I'd appreciate that. That money would go towards, uh, helping fund the website, keep it online and uh, also help us to promote some of our posts and get them out, to, out there to the audience that we need to see them in order for them to be effective. Um, but also sharing them with you guys, of, of course. I mean, we'd post them on the Facebook page, but you know, if we write an article about L.A. that's very pro-L.A., maybe we need to target Los Angeles, and some of that money would go towards that. Anything you can give really does help. You can also go buy a shirt if you'd rather support us that way. Honestly, I like that one more. I have a few shirts left in stock. If you go to abstractsports.com shop, Buy a shirt today and you can help support the show. I'll get it out to you and I'll, I'll send you a little gift along with it. So appreciate you guys. Keep on listening. Keep on watching. You guys are the best. But on to Los Angeles. A brawl broke out in LeBron's home opener in Los Angeles on Friday night. Uh, I had a friend over to watch the game with me because I knew it was going to be an exciting one. You know, LeBron playing his first game in Los Angeles after the big offseason trade going from Cleveland to L.A. We all know about that story already. Uh, Ryan and I talked about that in episode one. If you want to go check that out, it's a pretty good one. Uh, Basically just an overview of the season, how we think it's going to go, some of the crazy storylines to look forward to, and LeBron in L.A. was one of them. I'm going to drop this video in the chat, and I'll also put it in the description below for you YouTube watchers and and anchor listeners. Uh, This one I mean, I was going to show a regular video recap of the game, but I think this one really helps paint the picture of why this game got out of hand. This guy in this video, he points out all the very small details that normal people wouldn't actually pick up on. I saw some of it, but not as much as this guy did. It was really well done. But it says the real story behind the Rajon Rondo-Chris Paul fight. And he points out all the small things like Carmelo Anthony got hit in the face, his headband flipped off, and, and just all these different things really... I don't want to go through all of them because there were a lot. He goes through the entire game basically and points everything out. But there are a lot of little frustrations that happen throughout a game. Things that you would never really notice, but you can tell that the the emotions are rising throughout the game and eventually it just comes to a boil and things get crazy. Little things like players getting knocked over and, and fouls not being called, too many fouls getting called. Um, a lot of contact, no foul called. Just really bad officiating, honestly, all over the place. They did get a couple of calls right, sort of. Uh, There was one play in particular where Josh Hart was going down the lane, and this is like late in the third quarter. This guy named James Ennis just like grabs him and pulls him down. Like he did get the ball. He made a play on the ball kind of, but he doesn't throw him to the ground, but it looks like a clothesline. It looks like he just grabs him and throws him down. So imagine you just have to watch the video to see it, but Josh Hart's going full steam ahead to the rim. This guy grabs him on the shoulder from behind and jerks on him. You can imagine what that would do. You can imagine how his his safety is at risk in a play like that. Uh, I mean, the guy did touch the ball, so there's that. He did make a basketball play, but he followed through and pulled the guy to the ground. Uh, he ended up getting called with a flagrant one, 
in what I'm going to call a pseudo clothesline. <laughs> but from there, things really just start getting chippy. But the thing to note is that it was a close game all along. I mean, at half, the score is 66-62. The Rockets were in, were ahead, and the Lakers were doing everything they could to try and beat this number one team from last year. And just, like I said, a lot of no calls, a lot of other calls that were kind of 50-50. But every 50-50 call that could have been made was made in the wrong direction, it seemed like. That's what it felt like anyway. So before I get into the crazy part where the fight broke out, I just have to go off on a little side rant here, okay? I'm not a huge fan of Chris Paul and James Harden. And I'm let me say that I'm not I'm not just saying that because they played the Lakers that night and they beat the Lakers and I'm a Lakers fan. I'm not saying that because of that. All throughout their careers, I've just seen James Harden and Chris Paul as kind of dirty players, but I don't know if dirty player is the way to put it because they're not like trying to cheap shot people necessarily. They basically stretch the rules and they they use the, the like placement of the refs to try and get calls in their favor. What I mean by that is that they will drive to the basket and they know where the refs are and they try to get in a position where the refs can't see the play that's about to happen and they'll like jump into a player to make it look like the defender is fouling them on the way to the basket. I remember one play in particular, uh, well, I guess there's a few, honestly, but one that I can think of that really frustrated me in this game, and you see it all the time. Here's one play that I hate seeing in the NBA. James Harden comes down the court, and he has somebody come set a screen at the three-point line. The defender tries to get up and over the screen. That's how they teach you. You're supposed to get over the screen. You go up to the three-point line and try to get around the the defender setting the screen so you can follow the ball handler that way and Josh Hart tries going around the screen as he's taught he's not even like holding on to James Harden's waist or anything like that he's not he's he's defenseless and when I say that I mean he's not really playing defense in that moment he's just trying to get into a good position to play defense and his eyes on the ball and the the scenario he's not like rough housing James Harden by any means and he's also defenseless in the sense that He's just trying to move like this, as as slim as he can around this guy, you know, like just laterally sliding around this guy. He has no way of doing anything. And James Harden, behind the three-point line, jumps forward a couple of feet and into Josh Hart, essentially sandwiching him between James Harden and the screen setter, and they call a shooting foul on Josh Hart. He was doing nothing in that situation where he was – in impeding on James Harden's ability to get to the basket. He wasn't invading his airspace with his hands over the ball on the three-point line and then you know letting James Harden go up with his arms and hit, hit him for a foul. Rather, he was just sliding like this, trying to get around a guy, and James Harden's like, oh, I see you in my way, kind of. Let me just jump into you, and they call the foul. I think when a player is not impeding a player's movement to the basket – which I think is probably the word they use in the rule book, impeding. I think if a player's not doing that and a player jumps into them, that should be an offensive foul. I think there's a lot of people out there who would agree. I think those who didn't, who wouldn't agree are probably Rockets fans because James Harden and Chris Paul are the only guys I know I've seen do that. Uh, Chris Paul is another one of those guys who he'll just be driving down the lane, he'll like stop in front of you or like take a couple of steps to cut you off and then just get enough contact to go up and, and make a layup and get and get the foul shots. In this game, the Rockets shot, just in the first half, I think the Rockets had 21 free throw attempts, and the Lakers had seven. 
And that's very telling of how this Rockets team plays. That's how they were able to get to the playoffs. They get so many points at the line. And like in this Lakers, in this game in LA and LeBron's, LeBron's home opener, for those who think that LeBron, he, he gets padded by the refs bias, that's so not true. If you, if you are somebody who thinks that, I'm not saying I know anybody who does, but I feel like there are people out there who are like, oh, the Rangers, the, the refs just call everything in James' favor, and that's why I don't like him. That was not the case in this game, especially. That all of that frustration led to the moment when James Harden is going up for a layup and Brandon Egram is just following him on his side. He's not even like in his way. And James Harden, similar to the time he jumped into to Josh Hart earlier earlier in the game, James Harden like puts his elbow up and like flops like this, like ooh, and throws the ball up. Well, he actually ends up getting Brandon Ingram out of the way, and he like does a nice perfect finger roll, nothing but net. Like didn't even touch the rim, just put it right in there. And he's like, where's the foul? Blah, blah, blah. And I think what ended up actually happening is they, they called it a foul, but then they they just said there was no foul. I think they they pulled it. Like, nope, just kidding, no foul. After all the frustration throughout the entire game, like this frustration all came to a head, and it was like four minutes to go in the game, so it was really close, and they wanted every call they can get. You know, the game was already going this particular way, and one of the teams, you know, the ball had to go one way or another in this moment. But Brandon Ingram really changed things when he, he was walking towards the ref to try and go talk to him. He was like like basically voicing himself. And then James Harden walks in front of him and he just shoves him. Like just a full on get out of my way. That's something you don't see in the NBA. You don't just see players pushing guys. You don't see punches getting thrown anymore. Um, I think back to Malice at the Palace when Jalen, or not Jalen Rose, I think he might have been there. Uh, it was with the Pacers and some other team, maybe the Pistons. But Ron Artest going into the stands and beating the crap out of fans, stuff like that. Like, you never see that stuff anymore. It has to get to a very extreme moment in a game for it to get to that point ever again. You got to think there are massive fines that are dealt out in situations like that. And the most recent one I can think of that really surprised me, Kelly Oubre Jr., when he was in the playoffs as a Washington Wizard, I think he was a rookie or a sophomore player, he felt like he was mishandled by Kelly Olenek for the Boston Celtics I think at the time he got he fell over and Kelly Olenek and everybody else is going the opposite way and he just gets up immediately and books it towards Kelly Olenek and shoves him and he ends up falling over and Kelly Olenek's a big dude and that was like you know just pure rage coming out of Kelly Oubre Jr. at that moment and this is what I think kind of happened with Brandon Ingram he shoved a guy who was in his way who he was frustrated with but ultimately because of the refs who he was trying to go and talk to. It's like, well, since this guy's in my way, let me just push him. That'll get the conversation started. And then uh, you see Brandon Ingram getting into the ref's face and James Harden just kind of like, what the heck, man? Why are you so mad? It's like, James, probably because you and your big ass beard keep on jumping into people to get fouls. And it's bull crap. Like the refs can't even see the call half the time. They're just like, oh, he moved his arms in such a way that made it look like he got hit. And no, he's just acting most of the time. So frustrating. And he, this dude got the MVP last year. I don't think he deserved it. I think LeBron James deserved that stuff. And I'm not saying that because he's a Laker now. I'm not saying that because I'm a giant LeBron's, LeBron fan because I am definitely both of those things. I am a Lakers fan. I am a LeBron fan. But LeBron deserved that given all the circumstances. Okay. Now that that's out of the way. I know this is very biased. I'm, I'm coming off very Lakery right now. But I'm trying to be as objective as I possibly can. If a Laker did these kinds of things, I would 
voice my frustration about that too. And I do have some stuff about this fight that I'm frustrated about. Brandon Ingram pushes James Harden. He goes and he's yelling at the refs. Lance Stevenson, of all people, comes through, grabs Brandon Ingram, grabs his teammate, and runs him across to the other side of the court to get him out of the situation. Meanwhile, Rajon Rondo and Chris Paul are jawing at each other, and these guys just have a bad history. They go way back about hating each other. Basically, Chris Paul is in, in Rondo's face, and you see Rondo looking side to side like this, and then at one moment, he just like, you see him, like, in the slow motion video, you do see him spit, just kind of like, like one of those, like your your lips are closed, like, and you just kind of spit at him. Rondo came out in an interview saying that he was exasperated with the situation. He's about to tell Chris Paul to go bleep off. And he looked over at Mello, and he looked over at these other guys, and he looked over here, and he has a mouthpiece in, and he's just said that he's like breathed really hard and spit came out. But if you look, you definitely see like a, like a, like you see him direct it at James, or at Chris Paul. So Chris Paul's like, oh, he wipes his face off and he just like pretends. It looks like he's poking his eye out. It looks like he's gouging his eye out. It's such an awkward half punch. I don't know what he was thinking there. He's like, I don't want to hit him straight up, but I want to get my hand in his face. And so he gets his hand in his face and then he just kind of like pushes his face off like that. And I thought that was weird. But Rondo's like, oh, it's game time. And he just comes in with the left hook, connects with Chris Paul right in the temple. And then Chris Paul comes in with a right uppercut kind of and sort of like hits him with an under fist like pow. And then a couple other punches were connected with. But then you have Brandon Ingram running from the other side of the court, just flying in there, sucker punching Chris Paul or trying to. The interesting thing about this whole story is that Chris Paul and LeBron James are like best buds. Um, people say that you can just see them hanging out with each other all all the time and uh, they're around each other all the time whenever they can be. But you see LeBron James come in and grab Chris Paul, get him out of the situation, and there's a bit of a waiting period as they figured out all the fouls. Brandon Ingram, Rondo, and Chris Paul were all ejected. Brandon Ingram ended up getting a four-game suspension. Rondo got a three-game suspension, basically saying that they favored Chris Paul's argument over his in the spitting incident because Chris Paul got two game suspension. He's already served one and the Lakers have all served at least one of their games. So Rondo will be back in three games and BI will be back in four games um, or two games and three games because they've served one. And this is a big blow to the Lakers because those two guys alone are some of the most productive players for the Lakers team. James Harden ends up coming through and finishing off the Lakers with a score of 124 to 115. Uh, when I say James Harden, I mean that he led the way, made a couple of big buckets in the last seconds uh, to get ahead of the Lakers, and the Lakers had to foul and try to catch up, and that just did not work out for them. You know, it's a terrible situation because the Lakers have to deal with two of their best players being gone. They have to have younger guys step up and try to try to do well for them, like Lonzo Ball. For example, tonight this game against the Suns, Lonzo's probably going to be starting in place of Rondo. And uh, you know that Kuzma or Hart are going to be coming off the bench to fill in for Brandon Ingram, probably Kuzma. It's just a bad situation all around. If you're going to spit in somebody's face, they're going to find that on the video. And him looking around left to left, Rondo, you can see him looking left to right in this video I shared with you in the comments and in the description. He's looking around and you see him direct spit. It wasn't like a loogie or anything like that. That'd be disgusting. But it's very disrespectful. That's just not something you do. And like Carmelo Anthony said after the game, 
he's like, you don't even see that in the street. Like when there's a fight happening in the street or, you know, there's bad blood, something like that. You don't see a guy spit on a guy. You just throw punches. Okay. And I think Rondo's just trying to get away with something sly and, and make it look like Chris Paul initiated the whole thing. And he almost did, but there's people out there that are going to find it, you know, serve it on a platter for the, for the media that definitely showed. I mean, Rondo got three games. I think that makes sense. B, I got four. I think that also makes sense because he was the one that lost his cool. Um, he is a young player who does not ever do that. So I'm hoping that this doesn't reflect on his character too much. You know, I don't think he's get, this is not going to be a regular thing for him. I think in special situations, this one was high emotion. LeBron's homecoming. They want to get the win and also playing the best team in the NBA last year. A very frustrating, a very speedy, a very slippery team. And things just get out of hand sometimes. And that's what happened. It's unfortunate, but they're serving their suspensions. They're going to get fined. And actually, after all this discussion about the officiating in this game and the the, the following Lakers game, uh, Luke Walton actually came out and was he went on like a two-minute rant about refereeing and how bad it was in the Rockets game. He's like, I was going to keep my mouth shut, but I just can't do that anymore. But in the Spurs game, it also got pretty chippy. I mean, it was it was way more chill than what than the Rockets game was. But Luke Walton came out after the game still fuming on that Rockets loss. Lakers had 70 points in the paint. Spurs had 50. And what that means is when you're in the paint and you're you're getting buckets down low, there's usually a lot of contact. And he pointed out Josh Hart. He's like, watch the way he plays this game. He's getting contact 90% of the time. And they only went to the line X amount of times. Spurs went to the line X amount of times. And I think he was also pointing it back to the Rockets game when James Harden was forcing a foul from the three-point line, jumping into Josh Hart, he's like, there's no business in getting foul shots when, you know, when you're jumping into screens 30 feet away from the hole. And I, I really liked his explanation of it because it does tell the story that people who are going down low and playing the tough game and getting contact and getting layups are not getting fouls called, but they're willing to call like these weird ticky tacky fouls out on the perimeter when they shouldn't even be fouls. They should be fouls in the opposite direction. They should be offensive fouls. There's a lot of drama going on in the first week of the NBA, and I'm a little bit frustrated, and not, probably because my Lakers are, are defeated right now. They're 0-3. They're not performing like people are expecting them to, or maybe they are. I just think they've been getting dealt a bad hand with the officiating, and and their matchup has also been tough. I mean, trying to beat the Rockets with a totally new squad. I mean, a newly configured squad with LeBron James there, and playing a toughly coached, um, or a well-coached Spurs team with Coach Pop there. It's kind of hard to beat those teams when you don't have that chemistry yet with this big player in LeBron. So some of it's the Lakers' fault. Other pieces of it are not, and I hope that the league figures it out. I don't want the officiating in the NBA to turn into something like the NFL is because I feel like that's one thing the NBA has over the NFL and making it a better league that their officiating is is better. I mean, in the NFL, they have problems where – they can't tell what a catch is most of the time. Um, there's too many different different factors that go into such a simple task on a football field, you know. And I get that it's hard to call, but they've added so many different conditions to it that they're complicating what should be a simple thing in the NFL, catching a ball. And in the NBA, I feel like it should be pretty clear what a foul is and what a foul isn't. And if it means they need more eyes on the floor to see the call right, Put another ref on the floor. You know, you have the money to do that. I hope the NBA gets that part figured out. I'm not, I have to say multiple times that I'm not frustrated just because it's all the Lakers games that I've seen that have been like this. I've seen it all over the league 
And the Rockets are just a team that are notorious for drawing fouls, and they do some pretty bad things to try and get those fouls, and the refs give it to them. So they have to find a way to stop it and make it make sense. So we'll see what happens in the throughout the season. It's a long season. We're like four or five games in, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, we got about 78 more, boys and girls. But before I get out of here, i got to say Trey Young's killing it. Uh, he had a 35-point game the other night. I think he's starting out really well in his first NBA season. But also, Luka Doncic, this kid, 19 from Europe, he's going to be a fun guy to watch in this league. He's been getting double-doubles the first few games of the season. But then you have Blake Griffin, who had a 50-bone 50 50, 50 last night or a couple nights ago. That was pretty exciting to watch. But also, since I have talked about the Lakers so much, I will mention that Alonzo Ball is actually showing some improvement. Granted, every single game he manages to shoot an air ball on a wide open three pointer, but you know, he's, he's been shooting well other than that. It's almost like he has to get an air ball in every game. And that's part of his routine so that he can come back and look a lot better. I don't know, but he's been showing a lot of improvement on the defensive end and on the shooting end. Passing is still on point. So we'll have to see how he does throughout the season as well. But that does it for me today in this episode two of the all ball show presented by abstract sports, where we bring sports back to life. I'm your host, Kyle Clay 2K. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Kyle Clay 2K. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram as well at All Ball Show. I'm not too active on that account yet, but we will be very soon. So be sure to follow us on both accounts and uh, join the discussion so that we can use some of your comments in the shows going forward. But also, if you're a YouTube person, you would catch up on your news that way. You like podcasts and whatnot. Well, go subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just give a Go to YouTube and do a quick search or just look for it in this description underneath the video and subscribe. Or if you're watching it on YouTube, just subscribe. Like, like just click that button, man, if you want to see some of this action. Um, but you can also check out our Anchor channel if you like uh, just audio content. Go to anchor.fm slash abstract sports. Um, also support us with a click of the button there on that channel. Um, or just go to abstractsports.com slash shop and you can pick yourself up a shirt to wear around, support the brand, and and help us out with some of our website bills and things like that. But again, that does it for me this episode two of the All Ball Show. We'll see you guys next Wednesday. All right, peace out.